0: Welcome to episode two hundred and fifty of Texing. Hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts.
1: Is it a quarter of a century? No, it's a quarter of a, a millennium. millennium. Yeah. Quarter of a century would be twenty five years. Yeah, good point. Yeah. But it's episodes, not years. So it's
0: it's it's neither it's neither thousands or hundreds or years or anything. So I'm completely wrong.
1: Well, great. So how was your holiday? Or Pretty your good. Christmas? I guess we're in the middle of the holidays. How was Christmas?
0: I saw that we got a present of more Bitcoin from a listener. We did. Yeah. How much did we get? Yeah, I'm just looking that No, up, did right? you
1: get this? Or did the podcast get this?
0: You, we got it, but once again, coming in through my blog post link. Okay. <laughs> so, but this time it was a lot more. We got 0.1. So it's 70 bucks worth of wow. Bitcoin. That's
1: yeah. that's quite a gift.
0: Yeah, that is. Who, who Very nice. who donated it? Ian M. Jones. Has
1: he? I don't think he's donated before,
0: has he? Yeah, well, I'm he's not sure. First. But uh, well, thank you, Ian. He really? says, "I noticed you hadn't received any Bitcoin to the address you gave at the end of your blog post, so I sent you 0.1 BTC as a thank you." Not just for that article, but also for texting, which I've loved listening to since the beginning. Wow. That's, that's, awesome. a, that's a, good, a nice donation. Thank you yeah, so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what's really awesome is when we hear from people who've actually been with the show since the beginning. Now, that's yeah. staying power. I know. <laughs> 250 <laughs> shows. I mean, there are marriages that they'll last as long as this show. There are, there are whole eras that go by. I mean, we've been, we've done the show since, you think, 2009? Yeah, 2009. It's two thousand. It started in two thousand fourteen.
0: It is two thousand nine because wow. I went back through the. I went back through the the blog and saw the first date. Yeah. And what was? Do you remember what the first date was? Uh, I don't remember the month right now, but, but it, it was two
1: thousand. Well, it was. It was like it was in the. It was in the summer. Yeah. So it was like June or July of two thousand nine. Yeah. Holy smoke! So well, cool. So what's uh? So what do you got? What's what's new?
0: Well, i I've, I've got a lot of different links. I mean, you want me to start getting into
1: stuff? Well, I don't really want to just talk about links. I mean, what? What has been on Justin Vincent's mind? You know what's been on my mind yeah. is um, hiring. Hiring. Yeah, hiring people for
0: Digidoo. And actually, just a couple of days ago, I put a post up on weworkremotely.com. Mm-hmm. You know We Work Remotely by the 37 Signals guys? Yeah. So they've written that book called Remote. So um, in in the title, uh, I just looked through that. All the titles were like Senior PHP Developer, you know, PHP developer, Ruby developer—the
1: titles of what are people the, the, who the, are the, advertising they're looking for jobs. Yeah, exactly. No, the no, aber- job advertisements. There, there's only
0: job advertisements on there. We work remotely, right. so it's only people basically companies saying, "I yeah, see. You know, work for us."
1: It's not a matchmaking service.
0: No. So, um, so I thought, well, I'll do a post to stand out a little bit. So I entitled mine instead of senior developer. I entitled it "Bring the Thunderer."
1: Bring the thunder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And <laughs> it's, how'd it's, that work out? It's
0: worked out pretty well. I mean, I've got definitely some some pretty good resumes come through. Um, and just the whole way that the job spec was written up, I just kind of made it like a place you'd want to work. You know who I was thinking? I was thinking of you. I was thinking of your whole... You, you talk about when you go to Uber and you set up teams, like Black Ops teams and that kind of thing, right? You right. kind of appeal to people that way. I was thinking about that. As names, I was
1: running. names are important. Branding is important. I mean... You know, it's it sort of sets the tone. It sort of yeah. sets, it it gives team uh, teams or it gives people a sense of of what they're gonna be and who who how they should think of themselves. I mean, it reminds me of uh, that story about um, the first one of the first Q and A testing teams at IBM mm-hmm. back years ago. There was a thing called Team Black, where they took the very best testers or tester from each of the different testing teams and created one team of mm. sort of the super testers and they call it team black and the guys got really into it and they all started wearing all black suits and black <laughs> I think, like black hat or something and and the, and each one of them individually was like you know at the top they were maybe like you know 30 percent better than the average mm. tester or something like that but then when they got on the team they were like five times better like grouping these top people together making them a, a separate team of, of, of elite testers, making them feel like they're special, mm. treating them like special, they became way more successful, way more. That's um, interesting. Way higher. Greater they than perfor- the sum they of the performed at a much higher level, and, and you'll see yeah. that in sports. You know, it's like as the pyramid goes up. You know, from high school to junior college or college to you know pro or whatever. The higher the, the, the higher the level goes, you take out the top people and you put them with the other top people. They all raise their level of play and then the top people from there go to the next level and that's how you get to the very very highest levels of anything
0: well that i think that i mean i think that somehow i've taken that on board as you've been discussing it and I mean, i'll just read the first couple of paragraphs of this and you'll see that i think that first it,
1: couple of paragraphs
0: yeah yes they're only very short okay <laughs> um at did you do we have a job to do we're changing the way education works in the classroom we build blended learning software and hardware that makes hands-on digital education available for k-12 kids at the moment of learning To do this difficult yet rewarding work, we're building an exceptional remote team of multi-talented engineers. Engineers who are polyglots, comfortable working with all aspects of the tech stack, hardware, software, back-end, front-end. And our team consists of front-end focus engineers, back-end focus engineers, but most importantly, highly creative engineers who get the job done, whatever that job may happen to be.
1: I like that. I like that a lot. You know, I think one of the biggest problems I've always had with job posting is they'll say things like, must have... 10 years experience with Java <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> must have it. And then they'll list all these weird frameworks and stuff. It's like, you know, who cares? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, you want the best people you can find and, and, and usually that means people who are, they're smart, but they're just, they're, they're the kind of people who are detail oriented, that figure shit out, they get stuff done. They, 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 they strive to, to, to come up with cool, high quality solutions. You know, it's like, um, you know, Gion, you know, it's like, I pull him in to work with me on the stuff, even if it's a technology he hasn't worked with because he's awesome, right? I mean, it doesn't matter if he's never seen the the technology before. Well, people have a focus. I mean, no focus.
0: Yeah. I mean he, he has a focus, which is like the, G, the he's your GPU kind of focus, but that, that will work with any technology. The what focus? You always call him he's your GPU.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, everybody has like their, their sort of, I mean, some people are more aesthetically or they're more front-end or product-oriented. Yeah. People are more algorithm-oriented or, or whatever. But regardless... You want you want to work with people who are just really good. And even if they haven't used a particular language or framework that you're using, I mean, they're going to pick that up fast. I mean, if you're hiring someone to do a two-month consulting project, yeah, you want them to be an expert in it because you don't want to have to pay for them to no, learn No, you don't anything. want to pay for them to learn exactly. But if it's like they're going to stick around for three, four, five years, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're going to yeah. be amortized over that period of time.
0: Actually, you really don't want... Like, I I was thinking about this a lot, like... We really don't want specialization. We want people who are full stack generalists with a focus. They may have a front-end focus. They may have a back end focus.
1: Like everybody does but anyway. They right?
0: understand the that the, like they they can they can transverse the tech stack. You know? Well,
1: because when you put people in a box or they put themselves in a box, it just limits them and and then they don't um, they become less useful to you as a company or as the CTO, right? right. You need people who are just like this guy will get the problem done. It doesn't matter what I tell him. We need, like, I, you're like I don't know, man. We need servers. We need some kind of database <laughs> of some kind. We need some kind of code running that solves this problem. Figure it out, right? Whatever. Exactly. And they come back to you after like a long week and like I did it. And you're like, what do you mean? You're like, I did it. <laughs> like, you know, who cares how they did <laughs> it? Right. Like, you just want someone who's just just figure stuff out. And um, I think that yeah, I think you, I think you articulated it just the right way, and that you didn't start talking about technologies. You didn't use. Um, silly rockstar ninja, you know, overused terms that they always use. You're just like, look, you know.
0: Well, I talk about technology. I like later on, you know, I say, you know, our tech stack includes this, our products includes this, but yeah, you're right. I mean, mainly focused on that. Yeah.
1: That's great. Well, I hope that works out. And you, how many, how many resumes have you received? Uh, about 20.
0: You know, I was, I, I do feel like I was kind of channeling the spirit of Jason <laughs> <laughs> when I was writing this. <laughs> Why uh, me? Why, what did I Well, just like I told you, like I just said, you know, it, it was, it's that kind of like, um,
1: oh, just, the black just selling ops. the team, the black team ops, black. selling the team, yeah, so pitching it, yeah, mm. making it a place, but that's what I for. want.
0: I mean, that's the kind of team that I want, you know, so well, the
1: higher quality people you get, the easier your job is, right? Yeah. The more limited people are. The more you're going to have to fill in for them and handhold them and put them in a sandbox so that they're comfortable. The more you have people who are just, you know, one man wrecking machines or one woman wrecking machines, yeah. you just say, look, go knock that building down and they'll go knock it down. They don't need any more direction.
0: Well, actually, talking about one woman wrecking machines, have you seen that? Like, I don't have the links to hand, but there's been a little bit of chat about that on Hacker News, like as usual, but there's another post, Women Who Code or whatever. You're just like, ugh, you don't want to talk about that anymore. We can
1: talk about it. I, I don't know, it's boring. I, 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 you know, I, the whole, all the controversy about, yeah you know, women hackers or women in tech or minorities in tech. I mean, this stuff is so controversial and people get so emotional about it. It's just, you know. Well, I, know. I just thought the post was good because what she was saying was. Who is she?
0: I don't know. Whoever whoever was doing that post that I told you on Hacker News. The point that she was making was that it's good that there's this controversy from Paul Graham talking about it and that um it it brings it to light and we need to find ways of getting 13 year old girls into coding that just it just doesn't happen like well,
1: yeah you know, first of all you know did you see his post because that's not what he said right? right so he was misrepresented because they cut out big sections of the of the it wasn't even an interview it was a discussion and they right. misrepresented what he said so he didn't even say the things that they claimed he said which got everybody all emotional and right. and irate well he he did uh,
0: i was under the under the understanding he wasn't making any judgment call about it he was just saying There just isn't any girls in coding today because there's no obvious path for them.
1: No. I mean, okay, so basically what he said in his was the reason there aren't – that he basically said you can't take women in three months, teach them to code to the point that they're going to become successful tech entrepreneurs. Right, so they need to be stuffed. Because the insights at that age of 23, not that they can't learn later, but that – you know the reason Mark Zuckerberg could start Facebook when he was in college is because he'd been coding since he was ten.
0: 10 right, exactly. Right. Yeah. And
1: it's like you can't just take someone in three months in a three-month program, teach them how to code, and suddenly they have enough um, comprehension of that world and of these technologies to 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 have ideas about how to solve problems or the problems that they should be solving or whatever. So,
0: right, but isn't isn't the point that it's just not like for whatever reason as as kids progress through school girls just aren't generally guided towards be- be- See, I don't computer know. programs
1: i don't know man i mean I, I i mean you know it's like it's like i'm coaching this fourth grade math team yeah we did give a test give a test was given to all the fourth graders in the entire school hundred and sixty of them or whatever the top 17 made the cut it's an all mix of boys and girls whites is- asians hispanics it's a mix of everything mm-hmm. right nobody cares about what race or gender you are. Are you good at math or are you not? <laughs> right. And it's like, you know, and I think the same thing is like the, the same kids, you know, with the computers. I mean, people can sign up for it or not. And if they want to do it, they want. I mean, I don't understand what the reason is, is to force people or trying to entice people to do something that they're not necessarily interested in doing. If they want to do it, they do it. If they don't want to do it, they don't have to do it. I don't, I don't get it. I mean, it's like,
0: I don't know if it's like that all across America. I mean, I could could imagine.
1: You could imagine?
0: Well, I I have stories from sources that I'm not at liberty to divulge, but I've heard stories um, where teachers are just like, you know, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you want to do this programming right here? Like, one, you know, to one girl in a class of boys. Like, I'm just not sure that it's all as idealistic and rosy, as you say, across the whole of America and the world?
1: I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't think people should be dissuaded from doing things, but I don't, think, I don't think it has to be 50% of girls, 50% of people who are writing code in this world have to be female, right? Mm. Does 50% of everything every, have to be doing everything? No. Do 50% of investment bankers, 50% of lawyers, 50% of florists, 50% of gymnastics teachers? I mean, you know, people, men and women are different. They like different things. Let people do what they want to do, right? Right. I mean, I don't, I don't understand what the big, I don't think, yeah, obviously, I don't think that you should do anything to dissuade people from doing things that they want to do. People should be, I exactly. think, teachers and coaches. Exactly, and but I think. I should, think but let I me, mean, teachers and coaches and parents, adults should be open, as open with kids, allowing kids, whatever gender or race or anything that they are, to do and experiment what they want to do, Right. Um, but, uh, as far as like trying to get people to do things that they're not really interested in doing because you have some sort of idea in your head that this is the way it's supposed to be, I find a little weird, you know?
0: Well, I'd be interested to hear you know, if any listeners have have any stories either way about, you know, dissuasion or persuasion, I'd just be interested to hear. I, I like, let's put it this way. If it was exactly hundred percent stable and fair, then we wouldn't be in a situation where in programming classes we only had one girl and 20 no, boys. No, no,
1: no that not logically that's not necessarily true that may be true. It could be the fact that most girls don't like it. I mean, I'm just saying it doesn't just because more boys like um programming doesn't mean that it's uh, it's unfair, it could mean that just boys just like it. I'm not saying that's not true, and I'm sure that there are situations where girls are dissuaded from doing it or made to feel uncomfortable, but I think that assume you're, you're going on the assumption that boys and girls are equally interested in the same things, which is absolutely not true. If you've been around kids at all, they're absolutely interested in different things. Mm-hmm. They're not interested in the same stuff. Yeah. At all. <laughs> there are girls... That well, like some of the stuff that boys do. Yeah. And there are some girl, boys that like some of the stuff that girls do. And there are certain things that they both like. that Both genders seem to like equally. But it's not true that they all like the same stuff. Okay. They're fundamentally different. And to attempt to um, say, like, because you could use a situation where, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to have a programming class or opportunity. But what we're going to do is only half of it can be boys. So we're going to keep out. All the half the boy, a lot of the boys who want to do it, but we're going to get to try and convince a lot of girls who aren't really that interested. They want to do something else, but you're going to put them into it because we feel that girls should be as interested in as boys which I think is... That doesn't make sense. I, but that's, I totally you have, that happens a lot of times. It's a lot of weird social engineering goes like that because, you know, us adults have all these weird ideas about what we think people should and shouldn't do and what we're going to hold in high regard. And It's so like you're treat- trying,
0: trying to make a PC workplace, you know, trying to make a really what mixed people? workplace when it, you, it, they may not necessarily have been the best choices uh, in terms of they may not have been the best people for the job.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, obviously when you see me run cattle, I'm as interested in having, I'm very interested in having girls in there who want to be in there. Right. Right. I mean, I've been very encouraging to the, to the girls and I was, you know, disappointed when, you know, a couple of workers had left for other reasons outside. One, it was because of schoolwork. One, because it was, a, it was a conflict with basketball practice. All right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what the, the, the girl, the girl that's remaining, she could care less. She does not care. At all. She doesn't even know. She doesn't know who's sitting next to her because she's busy doing her thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I just, um, I don't know. I, I just feel like there's, there's getting a lot of politics are getting involved in all this stuff. And a lot of people get really emotional. Well, and it's just.
0: I'm honestly sorry for bringing it up because I was nowhere near as emotional about
1: this as, as you seem to be. So. Well, I'm not emotional. I just like, I just find <laughs> I, I wish I hadn't mentioned silly. it. Silly. <laughs> I just find a lot of it silly. Let people should be allowed to do what they want to do, and let the chips fall where they may people are interested in doing stuff, let them do it. If they don't want to do it, leave them alone. Let them do what they want to do. Because, you know, at the end of the day, that's what they're going to do. At the end of the day, people are going to do what they want to do anyway. All right. <laughs> right? So, um, so I have uh, – I'm going to let you drive the links from this point forward for the rest well, of the show. <laughs> you know, you always say links, but they're not necessarily links.
0: Okay, well, whatever. Stories
1: things. <laughs> so I, would, uh, I have uh, exciting news. Go on. For me, well, a great triumph. Do you, you know when you go? There's occasionally you'll go to these like little um, restaurants. Some I don't, uh, there's a couple of restaurants I've seen. They'll have these little like triangle, these wooden triangle games, where they have the pins in it, and you have to you have like let's say twelve pins or something like that. Except there's one space that's missing, and you the, and you hop over a pin and it, you remove the one you hop over, and you get it all down to one pin. That's like the ultimate. I have no. You've idea You've never what seen you're talking that, about. no. You've never seen that little brain teaser game, no. Okay, well, yes. Picture a little triangle on restaurants. The space. Oh, this this one called Penny's Diner? Between but like what they it. they have it on the table. Every table has it. It's just it's just like a time killer. You know, if you're waiting for it after you order. Uh, I've
0: never seen it. i probably start seeing them like three times. You know, I probably see. Like I've seen it in a few
1: different days. restaurants, but definitely Penny's is one of them. So. So you've never been able to solve no, these before? No, I always get like two or three. It's like three. You're like so-so. They're like okay. Like, you know, two, you're above average. Three, you're really smart, you know? I mean, I mean I'm mean, i sorry. Three is, uh, is 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 beginner. Two is above average. There's, one, there's three one, pins left? Yeah, one pin left is the ultimate. And uh, the first time I sat down, I did two. I was like, yes! <laughs> because sometimes I was always getting three, you know? And then I got, and the next time I got one, and I was like, this is the greatest moment.
0: <laughs> is it <laughs> My- always the
1: same puzzle? Oh, no, you, yeah, it's always the same, it's always but, the same. But I mean, private. is it always the same configuration? Like? Well, you can, you can, you can start it with a, with a, with a pin missing from any one of them, anywhere you want. And so they're all different, different shapes and sizes? No, it's just a pin, like a, us like a golf tee kind of thing, okay. each one. You've never seen that? Nope. Yep. Anyway. Well, congratulations. That was a big moment. Well done. I am I'm I'm, I'm <laughs> was, so proud of you. I mean, that's yes. really good. <laughs> so uh but then i looked and i said and then after i after after my moment of uh of pride and joy i discovered that that was just the beginner numbers if you were advanced you had to you had to in the end have the pin in the spot that was where the original opening was oh wow and then the other one was to have eight left but none of them can move anywhere this i was like forget about it
0: you should like take a picture of that and put it in the show notes. Yeah, well, next time.
1: uh, Next time, maybe I will. I I didn't even think about it. So another thing that was interesting is, um, well, okay, so, uh, you know, we went, uh, we just got back from Vegas. We went to Sandy's parents for, you know, the second part of Christmas vacation. Went snowboarding and all that stuff. Oh, nice. And um, it was kind of interesting. I was thinking about this going snowboarding and stuff. It's like one of those things that, like, it's pretty fun. But it's kind of, and so at least for me now, but it's not, it's, it's kind of a pain in the ass in, the, in a certain way, you know, because you have to get all the gear and drive up there. And, and it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, so we got to get the kids checked into ski school and then Sandy's got to rent her skis. And it's one of those things that's like, it's supposed to be fun, but the actual funness isn't quite as great as it's supposed to be.
0: Well, because you're older now.
1: I guess. I mean, I felt that way. I felt that way for, I'm I, I, even for like probably the last 15 years. You know, it's not even since so, so I but I've just noticed that. But given the fact that, I mean, I'm not saying that it wasn't fun. I mean, Sandy and I had a pretty good time. We, we, there was a period of we were just, because there were no lines. We were real lucky because of the ski Las Vegas. This, this, well, can Colby ski with you yet? No, they were in ski school. Colby was in snowboarding school and the girls were in ski school. And they, they were with kids their age. They had a good time. I'm but.
0: sure when they're with you, then that's when it will become fun again.
1: Yeah, uh, no. I mean, you know, it may be, but it may make it more fun. Yeah, but uh, it's just—I uh, don't think there's a lot of things in life that we do that we do because it's just sort of this is supposed to be fun. But when you're actually in it, you're like, this isn't quite as fun. <laughs> you know, it's like—I like, don't feel when you go to parties, it's like, eh. Yeah, we're going to a party, and actually, am I like actually, how much fun am I really having? Staying around talking to people. That's oh, because you don't drink, but
0: uh, that's another discussion.
1: But you know what I mean. I mean, not, you, not about parties. You, well, what no. are things like that? What are things like that for you? What are things that that you do that that are supposed to be fun? But when you actually get there, you're like, you know, it's I'm, you're you're going through the motions because you don't want to be, you know, a downer. But in the end, you're like, you know, I'd rather be doing something else if I. Really... You
0: know, it really depends on the mood. Like, so that this is what I'm saying about. Put, like going out, for example, like a lot of times when I go out, I'm totally not in the mood, totally not in the mood, but then I have a few drinks and then everything shifts. The world lights up a little bit, becomes more colorful. That's the kind of advantage of drinking is you can literally just change your mood mm-hmm. through it. Um, but definitely, I would say most times I go out, I probably just in like in a grumpy bear mood when I go out, usually because I've just been coding. I've been trying to solve a problem. I wasn't able to solve the problem. It's still on my mind. I don't really want to go out. That's what usually happens. So I guess that's, that's an example. A lot.
1: Yeah. So, and that brings to the second, the reason I brought it up is that, but after coming back from a whole day on the ski, you know, on the slopes, I'm completely refreshed. Hmm. Like, because if, if I had said, you know what, Sandy, why don't you take the kids and go skiing and I'll just get to stay here and work. I would feel kind of like oh, crap. You, oh, yeah. I'd feel like crap. I'd feel guilty. I'd feel like, what oh. am I doing? I spend my whole life sitting in front of the computer screen. It would just be all these really sort of... It would be much worse than almost fun. Yeah, exactly. Way worse, right? <laughs> right. Way worse than like, ah, you know, I'm kind of cold here. I'm kind of freezing, you know. I'm like, I'm I'm my, I'm my sore because I've busted my butt seven times. I can't time remember, do you ski Sunday. or do you snowboard? I snowboard. So Scandi, Sandy skis and I snowboard. Yeah. Which actually works out because... She, we're, we're probably similar levels and uh, you have to be a proportionally better snowboarder to keep up with a skier because it's much easier to maneuver with skis into a snowboard, especially when you get down to like a really steep incline and moguls and stuff like that. I mean, you got to be pretty damn good snowboarder to navigate that stuff at speed and not bust your butt. Whereas skier, you know, you know, a week of skiing and you're like, you're at a level where you could probably handle a black diamond without totally killing yourself where the snowboard is no way
0: a week of skiing and you could go down a black diamond mogul run at
1: least i did i had skied i had skied once in my life and i was in college we i went to Vail for a week with, with my buddies and second day i was doing black diamonds with i my think buddies. that's unusual well i think okay hey, this, <laughs> let me say this if you were an athletic right young and athletic yeah and not in and, and fairly aggressive you're an mm-hmm. aggressive athlete you're not fearful and, and cautious yeah and you know you're some other people are pretty good skiers. You can get up to speed you're doing blues e- pretty easily within like by the second day and you can actually be kind of doing some black diamonds you know not at speed you know you're gonna bust your butt a few times but i mean i did that i'm i i'm one of my two buddies ryan and um god i can't remember the guy's name i haven't seen him in so long but you know we were jumping moguls and stuff but there's no way that would happen. i mean it took me three days of snowboarding of busting my butt when i first learned before i could really go down a blue and not be in pain, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just that much harder, anyway. So um, it worked out. It works out so that Sandy and I are similar. Hmm, that's great. So we can we can do a really good job. I mean, she can actually go faster than me. So sometimes, if she really wants to go, like I was teasing her sometime, and then she's like, "Oh, you want some of this?" And she, like, <laughs> takes off, and uh, I have to mm-hmm. chase her down. So, but um, yeah, it was really funny though. We were so we were doing it. Like, oh no, it's, it's funny in retrospect. The time it wasn't funny. So so. There's this. There was this girl in front of me who was skiing, and she lost her ski, and her, her, her one of her skis was like 25 yards up the slope from her. And so I picked it up and snowboarded down to her. But as I came down, I hit an ice spot and I busted my butt. I, I, I threw her the ski. I said, "Here you go." And then, <laughs> and I crashed myself because <laughs> I hit it. Because there's areas where there's snow, there's light snow over an ice spot, and so oh, you try and you try and catch an edge, just lay yourself that down. That sucks on just, snowboard. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm like, and then Sandy thought I'd crash, so she comes down and she hits the ice too. <laughs> Of course, when she lands, her ski comes off. She could not get it on for a life of her. She's been like 15, 20 minutes trying to get the ski on, getting to, trying to find flat little area in the uh, snow where she could oh, ski on. Wow. And she couldn't get it on. And f- first she's like, you know, after like 10 minutes, I'm just sitting there and watching her. My butt's freezing, you know, in the snow. And she's like, you just go. Don't worry. I'll, uh, I'm going to walk down the mountain. I'm like, no, I'm staying right. And she's, and she's like, no, really go. And I'm like, shh. I don't think that's gonna be a wise choice if I leave. I'm gonna, this is like if I leave her walking down the mountain by herself, like I'm gonna pay for this. Right. You know, later she's gonna um not that she's really like that, but I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I've seen this movie before. And so I hung out with her about fifteen minutes and or twenty minutes and finally she's just like, seriously, I just go and walk down. So I go down the mountain and I'm down there at the at the bottom. And I'm waiting for it. And after – and my, i watched and my – I went over to stop and took a look at the kids to see how they were doing. And I walk back. And I look up, I look up the mountain. I'm kind of watching. And I I spot her. But it looks like she's rollerblading down the mountain because she has both her skis off. But she's still kind of skiing on oh, her boots. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking. I'm like, what the hell is she doing? I mean, she literally was like skiing That's on cool. her boots because – I don't know the way that – But uh, <laughs> it was really funny. All, of course, all the people who were coming to the mountain were cracking up because she, she was –
0: why wouldn't it get back in? Was there, like, snow stuck in the coupling thing?
1: I don't know. She said she could. I mean, it, it was a weird thing. I and mean, it's not like she's a total novice. Like, you know, sometimes novices can't get right. it out. But she was just like, she's like, I feel like an idiot. I don't know what the hell. So so was I said, she able
0: to get them back on at the bottom of the mountain?
1: No, the, at the end of the day, we were done. Because they were kind of running out of time. The ski school was almost over. Oh, okay. And so we're like, you know what? Let's just, I had actually kind of, uh, I had kind of burned out myself. I had kind of. Um, Sounds like that that
0: right. ski coupling thing was jacked.
1: It could, sometimes the bindings get yeah. get off or whatever. Well, but, I think that's the name, yeah. So, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, like, um, I'm always looking at how to optimize experiences. And, like, this is one of those places that's perfect because it's not like you have to, like, when you go skiing, like, in Colorado, you just like, okay, we're going to fly to Aspen or Vail or Utah or whatever, and it's going to cost a fortune, and, you know, we're going to, you know, have to stay in big lines. But there's some of these places that's just, like, pretty close, it's like, mm-hmm. 30 minutes from a parent's place. No lines. Like, you can. Know, there's no lines. But the only thing I've discovered was that the, the one thing that sucked is like ski rental. Do you ever do you ever go skiing or snowboarding? Of course. Do you have your own skis?
0: You uh, no, I always rent them. I've been skiing since I was three.
1: But you know, you say it takes like an hour to go through the lines and sign the paperwork mm-hmm. and get the yeah. boots. Yep. Like that's... That's the one thing we. It's had to a remember. pain in the butt. yes. We got to realize Like that's that's all. Okay. So you're just like, going to buy skis? I'm like that's it, Sandy. I'm, like, I'm not doing this anymore. We are yeah. not renting skis anymore. It's not like it.
0: they're that they're that expensive. I mean, they don't have to spend a thousand bucks for a good nah, pair of skis. Get like a few
1: hundred bucks, maybe. Yeah. For, you know, get some skis. But the, it's just like a pain to store, kind of thing. Yeah, it is. That's a
0: little bit of yeah. Pain. And and to get there, and then you need you either need a very big car or a ski rack on on the car. Yeah. To get it down to Vegas in the first place.
1: Well, we have a we have um big I guess, enough
0: car. i guess you could just leave them with the parents
1: yeah not to way we would do We'd probably you, leave them with the parents cause. i think you should i think that's a good hack you should do that yeah that's that's the life hack mm-hmm. so um you know i was thinking there was i was a guy i was reading i think he was talking about those guys who were who he like over the holidays he really he wrote like four apps Do you remember that article did you see
0: that i think i did yeah
1: yeah and one of them was like a checklist app <laughs> which i thought was kind of cute like so, you know how, like, you'll you'll do things, like, say, go skiing, and there's, like, the one thing you forgot to do that you forgot to bring. You're like, ah, I knew I should have brought this. And it, like, kind of screws things up. You know, it's like you always need – it's like when I go to San like Francisco. What? Like what? Well, I yeah. don't know. Like, when I go into San Francisco, like, if, if I – like, one time I forgot, like, these um, the MyFi fi hotspot. Oh, yeah. And if you ever get stuck in the airport – or you get stuck somewhere and you don't have Wi-Fi and you're well, just kind of sitting there. It. You're just like, I, I, why did I bring that? Like that would have, i have going to actually get work done for two hours instead of just sitting here.
0: You've got four Wi-Fi four hotspots, right? Hotspot two. two. How, do you, you pay like monthly for, for those? Yeah,
1: the two-year $20 contract per MyFi fi Oh, okay. Right, right. So I got, what, like another half a, a year left. Right. It's been a year and a half.
0: But they've been useful.
1: Well, they were until we got your cradle working. Yeah. Which was way better. Mm, that, I mean, that the, thing is yeah. rocks once we figured out what was the problem oh, we just we figured out what was it we just had to restart it and make sure that the- just you
0: just have to give it more time yeah, yeah so, that, to, to connect
1: well that i'd highly recommend that as a product generally what what is it called for people who are looking cradle for point
0: a cradle point um hotspot through verizon but um i think it's a it's like a kind of it's a business um end the product rather than a consumer it's a expensive end product. yeah
1: what is it per month yeah
0: i don't know it's it's Digitus.
1: Right, right, you did, you did, you did, right. We use
0: it for Catalyst on Tuesday nights. You use it for Catalyst on Tuesday nights just for uh, just yeah. for that
1: hour. Oh, yeah, you know, I wanted to ask you something. Um, well, anyway, just forget for to that. The, so anyway, I thought the checklist app was a was a cool thing. Yeah, go on. And I thought that, like, you know, because there was that guy who wrote that book, he was, I think, is as a, as a physician, and he was <sighs> talking about how even very experienced physicians forget to do steps, you know? And it's like, if there were... If, and that's why checklists are so important because it keeps us from making mistakes. And that one guy wrote a checklist app. Like, you'd here's my new checklist for, like, I could have one. Here's my checklist for getting my stuff ready for San Francisco. Here's my checklist for getting stuff ready for Catalyst. You know, like, things so I don't forget anything. And I was thinking it'd be kind of cool if you did, like, a social checklist. Like, people could put up checklists up there. Like, checklist for, you know, going to Europe or checklist for whatever. So, it's like, you get an idea of all the things that you need. And you could just say, oh... I'm going to use that checklist and add that to my checklist. I'm
0: pretty sure that exists. Does it? I'm pretty sure that at the very minimum, just about anything you could think of, you could type in checklist for skiing and you're going to get a page that has like a list of, I'm thinking more like an app. I I know what you're thinking about. Yeah. You don't like it? No, No. I do like that idea, but I'm just saying like, I could imagine that
1: there's an app for that. I think so. Yeah. That's my
0: guess. I guess but I could be wrong.
1: So, um, it's not a bad idea. Well, anyway, I want to ask you a question. So, you don't have to get into specifics, but our, we, we talked a little bit of this offline after last show. We were talking about, like, um, you, you guys had, at some point in a few months back, gotten back and come out with a list of things that you wanted to get done. And you made a big list of, like, here are the big things that the tech team, the tech department is going to try and deliver, mm-hmm. right? Because you had the sales team was going to try and do some things, and the content people were going to try and get some things, reach some goals. How how did how did you do? I mean, because sometimes you, you come up with goals, you're just pulling them out of thin air, Right. You're like, well, I think we can do this. You know, you come up with this list. You know, you know there's these things that you'd like to get done. You know, these things that other parts of the company want to have, and you kind of have to just. And but they're so rough and high level, you can't really calculate the hours. You can just rough estimate. Like I think we can get this stuff done.
0: We had 90 days to get them done, uh, to get it done, and um, I think we had like 10 or 11 things in there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, we have two left at this stage. So we got, you know, we got through nine fair, of 11. Yeah, we got a fair old chunk of them done. Yeah.
1: And uh, the ones that didn't get done were because they were the some the other ones got were just too big and complicated. Or I think some-
0: yeah, uh, for example, integrating, um, yeah, just yeah. I, I won't go into the details, but yeah, they were they were they were complicated and probably too big. And we, to be honest, we just didn't get to them because we were we were still involved on the other ones. But like you know, it it really was like how long is a piece of string? I mean, in many ways, like so we just chose. 11 really big things that needed to be done. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're too short.
1: Yeah. Now, you feel like, you feel like 11, in retrospect, 11 was just too many? You were getting a little too, too crazy? Mm.
0: No. I mean, well, I, I, at the time I did. Actually, what was surprising was that we got through, we got through it faster than I expected. So
1: you thought 11 was kind of like, this is my ultimate wish uh, yeah, list. Like, yeah. this isn't really going to happen. Yeah. we are probably gonna do six or seven of these things.
0: Yeah, but I'm curious, like, why did why, you bring this up? I just up? thought that was
1: interesting. I mean, mm. that was pretty impressive when you told me that, that you'd gotten through as many. Oh, thanks. And I thought that was, and I, I can imagine that usually when you make those kind of things up, I mean, you really just kind of have to pull them out of thin air, right? You don't really have a lot of data to base them on. Yeah. So you're just kind of, you know, guessing. But I think, are you going to, is that something you guys are going to do on a quarterly basis that you come up with, like, very specific project goals? I think we're going to, co- I mean, goals? We, we do have an idea to come
0: up with a per-quarter goal. Yeah. So we that's one thing we're going to be doing at the beginning of the year is saying right, what are we going to get and done in Q1? What are we going to get it done in Q2? And kind of plan out for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah. Are there any big things that you did that you can talk about? Um, well, there's
0: a couple of them. So one really nice feature that we did was discussions. So that um, so within within the lesson creator, when you're creating lessons, um, it's you've seen it. It's like this kind of PowerPoint software. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of add, except it's 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 easier than PowerPoint
1: more linear it's It's, more linear it's not like it's you you put stuff like a photo or a question it's like if powerpoint just
0: built one page Mm -hmm. in fact so you know in powerpoint you see the little thumbnails on the left hand side and each one of those is a page Mm -hmm. well in our software each one of those is a component on a page Mm -hmm. so you can add a paragraph you can add a video Mm -hmm. you can add questions you can add a drawing so, so as you're building up your page, you can ask a question and say, draw us the answer. You know? right. And another one we just recently added was discussions, mm. so that you can um, ask a question and then the entire class answers the discussion via the tablet and also talks about it at the same time. Okay. So you have like a live discussion. So that was a nice thing. Um, and uh, I think that's, uh, I, I suppose another one is analytics, mm-hmm. you know, which, is, which is a big piece, which we've kind of built twice. Right. Once once with um, MapReduce and and Once with Cloud MapReduce TV. and Cloudant and once with My, MySQL. Yeah.
1: And that's working, scaling fine. Very with nice. MySQL. Yeah, that's
0: working nicely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: What, which one of those have had the biggest impact from the student's perspective, do you think? The biggest,
0: I, I really think that the students really love interactive stuff like discussions and drawing. Like they yeah. love drawing and creating. They love that like students don't give a monkeys about analytics.
1: <laughs> right, right, sure, right, right, right. Yeah. But I'm just like wondering like well, cuz that's thing. So is is the analytics important enough that the that the teachers can use it to alter the class or is it not even at that level? It's really kind of at no, the analytics your level. it's
0: very important because we have um all you, as you know through teaching the maths you have standards. So there's like common core standards and each standard has like a a, a reference like a 1.468 or whatever. And in math, I guess, what would that be like? You know, understanding cosine.
1: Sure. That's right. that's the
0: standard. So then whenever teachers add those questions throughout the content, they assign the standard to it. And so when kids answer those questions, we have like a heat map of green and red of um, what a particular class or a particular school, how well they're doing on one particular standard. So it's actually very useful for teachers. So they can say, okay, of the Common Core, I can see that my kids – understand you know all these aspects of the common core cuz it's all green but all these aspects of the common core are all red so we need to kind of push new lessons through around those standards
1: right right um yeah what was i reading i was reading an article about this one of i don't know which one it was and the guy and, and the um the guy was talking about how kids they were doing a study of They were talking about how focus and attention kids have and like, you know, I guess it was a. I guess it was introduction, It was was an interview with uh, Saul Kahn. Kahn oh, Kahn. right, yeah. And he's, he's like, well, you know, kids, you know, like adults have about 10 minutes of attention span and then they zone out for a while. And then they zone back in for a little while and they zone out. And then the longer you go, the longer the zone out periods and the shorter the zone in periods, yeah. which is exactly how I was in, in school. I was zoning out constantly. I just couldn't pay attention. It was just so boring watching a teacher up there to board. Yeah writing stuff down. And I think that's the key, one of the key things is that, and, and it's amazing that it's taken this long for teachers to figure this out, the whole flipped classroom concept, mm-hmm. which is like, they get the kids doing stuff. Quit standing up there and just talking because kids don't want to let, they don't retain most of it. You're boring them to death and you're wasting time. Like, it, it kind of reminds me of when I would coach soccer practice. It was like, Keep the talking to the minimum and let the kids do stuff. Like you would want, I would say, you know, I'm going to try and get the kids to have a thousand touches on the ball. When they come to practice, they're not going to be standing in line. They're going to get touches on that ball. They're going to be doing, you know, different types of footwork. They're going to be striking the ball and shooting and passing. They're going to be getting touches on the ball, getting reps. And I think the same thing with class, is get the kids rep. If it's math class, they should be doing math problems. If it's, you know, you know if it's our class, they need to be painting, not just standing and watching some teacher stand up and just talk. So if you keep the talking to, like, 10-minute bursts and then have them do stuff, and then you can talk for a little bit and then have them do stuff, I think... Have you heard of blended learning? Which is what? That's the mix? Yeah,
0: basically. So yeah. You, do, you kind of... Which is what we're doing. So the, the good example that I've got is, like, say, for example, you're teaching kids about the history of flight. Mm-hmm. So on our, on our system, like, you, you teach them about the history of flight, so you have a few kind of paragraphs explaining what it was, and then you have, like, a video that you know you actually show the first plane flying and then you have another video explaining how to make a paper airplane and then all the kids in the class make a paper airplane mm. and then you have a discussion board about you know what are the impacts of the first the the first flight you know what into society so basically the kids are talking about it in class they're talking about it on the tablet they're looking at the videos on the tablet they're building paper airplanes in real life they're going outside and throwing the paper airplanes and um that i think is blended learning and that to me is the you know the future
1: yeah and i think I think it's as as more that you can have kids doing stuff and less being passive, the better you are. I mean, right? we know that the brain f- does a better job remembering stuff when it does stuff as opposed to just passively learning. Yeah. And, like, if you want to remember something, you active recall as opposed to, like, just passively reviewing your notes So, is way more effective. There's, there's tons of studies of just, you know, proving this over and over again. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, it's cool that you guys have the integrated dual. Well, the
0: reason why we do it is because we – why we have that is because basically all of the content was put together by teachers who, who've who been awarded – it sounds funny to say – award-winning teachers. Mm-hmm. But, like, they, they won some kind of prize for being a great teacher. Mm-hmm. And what do great teachers do? Well, they take really boring textbooks and they create, like, hands-on interactive content. Mm-hmm. But it's not presented through some tablet system. It's just, you know, that's the lesson that they give.
1: So rather than having some – overarching principle or methodology you just say look this teacher is won awards teaching the c- civil war history they're going to make the lesson civil war history they know how to do it they're going to make them this interesting teacher knows how to make math this knows how to teach trigonometry they're going to make the lesson
0: if you look at our like if you look at our lessons like it's just they just don't look dull i mean every picture that's chosen is an interesting fun picture you know the videos are interesting i mean it's just you, you've even seen yourself like mm-hmm. you probably i showed you some of the math curricula mm-hmm. and uh you know it's it's fun you know, it's they, interactive. Though, it's right? it's interactive and it's fun and that that but that's because those teachers already are very very good at building those kind of lessons. That's the real trick.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, well thanks let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, I was just curious about the stuff stuff you've been doing because I know you're kind of tight-lipped about did you do when it comes to the show. I mean, there's stuff well, that we talk about the show, but you don't really talk about it on yeah. the show because you're worried about giving away secrets to potential competitors and these same kind of things, which I understand, but, you know, it's just, it's, it's it's unfortunate that we can't talk about it as openly as you talk about other I things. I mean, to cases.
0: be honest, we're so far into it now. Like, I mean, the amount of effort that we've put into building it, like, it's going to take any, someone a long time to get there.
1: Well, that's why, you know, that's why, you know, you, you'd ask me about Uber, like, you know, can I talk about that? I'm like, if there was some company competing with Uber, they're – so far on their own track of doing things. Mm. Their own technology stacks, their own approaches. They're not going to like, oh, I, I heard on a podcast that Uber does this with their, you know, who cares? At right. best, it's a curiosity for them. Yeah, You know, it, it wouldn't be any measurable thing that you're giving away. So at this point, it really doesn't, I mean, I know it doesn't matter for for um, Uber, probably doesn't matter for Digidoo either. Yeah, probably less you know? as time goes by. Because they're just doing their own stuff. You guys are so far down the path and everything that you do is is largely well not largely but it, it's greatly influenced by what you've already done, which are just sometimes I would say arbitrary decisions but they're just decisions that you made and then they're going to be specific to your particular company and what path you guys chose mm. you know yeah so um oh so I got something that's kind of um kind of funny yeah <laughs> i I came up with the name for the show. Bit is the new Vaughn. Yeah. And I was jokingly calling you Justin Bit Vincent (laughs) Because you had the- Jason Bit Bit Roberts. The Bitcoin madness. I did, yeah. Yeah, so- Which I don't really have this week, but I did last week. Um, So, I I, I went and I looked up Vaughn on Wikipedia. And they were talking about how Vaughn means, is a German for like from or of, you know, of an area or, you know, this particular valley. And it is a- uh, as sort of a, a, a sign of nobility, right? As a noble. Mm. Um, no. The nobles have that in their name, right? Justin Von whatever. Oh, you Jason know. Von Roberts. You know what was funny, though, is that it turned out, at some point back, I think it was like the 16th or 1700s, about 1600s, so so they would, well, okay, they would have nobles with a Von in the name, and then certain... Um, uh, families would be elevated to nobility and be mm-hmm. given a von. So you are now a von. You are now a noble. You were maybe part of the merchant class, but now you are uh, an a, a noble. Well, what the existing nobles did to differentiate themselves is just used a little v apostrophe, a little v period. Like they wouldn't even write out Vaughn. You, you remember? You remember how we would we had a, we talked about intellectual his, hipsterism? We talked about hipsterism back yeah. about a year and a half ago. We big topic on a the show then, and we talked about how like you know, you always have the new money and old money. So like people who suddenly come into money and let's say, especially if they were from a lower class, they start really want to show like, look, I got money now, right? I'm look, so, might... so they're like, I'm Vaughn. Right, right. Like I'm Vaughn, right? Or look at, you know, they have, they buy the Ferrari or the whatever. Yeah. Like they they want to show off the wealth because look, I'm not poor. Mm-hmm. I got money, right? Well, the people who, who are old money look at the newer money and you think that's crass. Mm-hmm. So they immediately say, well, that's like their lowercase V. Like, we're rich, but I'm not going to put it in your face because we don't have to. Yeah. You know? I just thought it was funny. It's like hipsterism started at least back in the 1600s, right? I mean, they were already, the people who were already noble were saying like, you're the new Vaughn. So they're
0: hipsters. They're, yeah. they're already nobles were, we're hipsters.
1: Yeah. Like, look, I know you guys are really excited about your Vaughn, but we're just a little, we're on to like a little V period. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> that was really uh, interesting. So, um, one of the, uh of course, you know that um, along those same
0: lines, that high-heeled shoes come from nobility, mm-hmm. men. Mm-hmm. Did you know that?
1: The the high heel shoes. Well, I do remember seeing, like, you'd see periods of, uh, back in like the so basically, men, like I- men in the in uh-huh.
0: Shakespeare's time were the first yeah. people to wear high-heeled shoes, and then it gradually kind of migrated to women, to women, and then then the guys the nobility, like, kind of uh, guys, and they didn't do it anymore. Right. And in fact, I think something similar happened with baby clothes, the, pit, the, the pink and the blue. Really? I think so, yeah. I think that it started, It like, it was a similar kind of story. But I don't have much more than that. You don't have any more information on that? Uh, I, only, the, the, only the boys used <laughs> gonna, to be pink. You know, this
1: exercise has been left to the reader, boy listener.
0: Boys used to be pink, I think. Really? Maybe, but yeah, yeah. I think in the first Well, in the very first place, they were white. And then colors started coming in, pastels. And then they decided to—I uh, don't know for whatever reason—but boys were, were pink because they were more colorful or whatever, you know. And then somehow uh, the Sears and those kind of people got involved, and then it switched
1: over. I will have, have to check that. I have to, I, have to, I have to Google that. Yeah, go for That's it. That's an interesting one. I've never heard that before. So um, the uh, one of the uh, the presents I got was a. Oh, I got two books. One of them was a Minecraft. About the history of Minecraft. You bought this, or you no, were I got, given it for it? Christmas. Giving... got it for Christmas. So is about the, the history, history of Minecraft. Minecraft. So the guy, the guy uh, Marcus Pearson Notch. Oh yeah. Created Minecraft. The whole story about uh, you know it was it's actually pretty pretty uh, yeah, you know I give it okay I give it a B minus but it's interesting it was like I didn't realize there was such a huge tech scene in in Stockholm Sweden <laughs> so apparently there's. A lot of games that came, a lot of video games have come out of there, and there's some pretty big video game companies, and a lot of stuff. Some of these video games companies there built the games from bigger publishing companies. Uh, I don't remember the names of them, but um, so what, they built them there. Then big, bigger publishing companies took it over, or bigger publishing companies say, "Hey, you know, you guys are going to do Battlefield 3 for us, or whatever, you know, or hey, you know." Mm-hmm. I don't. I'm not saying Battlefield 3 was the one, but I'm like these bigger games that you would initially you would assume would have done hmm. them in America or something were done in Sweden. Some of them were anyway. Interesting. So there's only 9 million. And well, okay, so they're trying to figure out, like, why, why is Sweden so successful with, um, in, in the area of IT and, and, and software development and video games and things like that? And the, what they were saying in the, in the book, which I thought made sense, is, okay, so first of all, they only have 9 million people. So if you're in Germany or France, you have a big enough country that if you're making stuff, you might just try and sell it to your people in your country. But it's still, that's a relatively small market compared to the Western world. I mean, especially when you talk about the United States and English-speaking world, the English-speaking world, mm-hmm. right? So Swedes speak English. They start speaking English at a very young age in school, and they speak English almost as well as we do. I mean, when I was in Sweden, it was hard to find people who didn't speak English as well as we did. It was it was pretty pretty shocking how well people spoke. Um, but the other thing is, is that they're inundated with American Culture, movies, TV shows, video games—so they're kind of the context is right. So they know what uh, what Americans what they think is a cool video game is the same stuff Americans think is a cool game because they kind of have the same movie and video game culture to a large degree. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like maybe if you're in France, you're like it's different enough that the things that you think is are are, are interesting might not um, translate. Or and plus, there's a language. I mean, just because you know people the French don't necessarily speak English. As well, okay. Right? Keep, keep I'm great. just using France as an example. All right, okay keep going, and and but because Sweden also has, only has nine million people, they really have to sell outside of their country. They can't; say we are just going to sell stuff to other Swedes. We're in yeah. this game is only so they have to sell. They have to think in terms of the old. So is memory.
0: that the complete reasoning why they think sweden's
1: Well, nine million. They bigger. They English, English, speak English well. They're inundated with American culture. They have to go outside of their world, and uh, they're they're outside of their nine million population to sell the market, and um, you know of course it's they everyone they have pretty much hundred percent you know high speed internet access across the okay that might be and they have very good education. So those might be the differentiators.
0: Because I was going to say then, surely you know amazing games would come out of Ireland, who have a population of four and a half million Mm -hmm. English completely you know the american influence there all the stuff that's you just described about sweden but i don't think that I, I don't think you could say that ireland has great internet backbone or something like that like i've heard that in sweden like everyone has a hundred megabit pipe into their house kind of thing
1: yeah but you know it's, it's like, interesting it's like does that make that much of a difference to like you know this stuff i mean to having i mean as long as you can have internet connectivity because a lot of obviously a lot well, of great no. games and stuff were created before I mean yeah. Doom was created before most people had internet. Everyone in
0: Ireland has internet access of some, you know, but not everyone, but like a, you know a lot of people in the cities or whatever. So my question is like why aren't there great games co- to the same extent coming out of Ireland? Maybe there are, maybe we just don't know about it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. But Sweden has a, also Sweden has this huge indie game culture there. Sweden does or
0: have but also Sweden has a kind of a very aesthetic vibe in the first place. mm mm-hmm. Mhm like the the somehow to me seems akin to kind of good design computers like they like it's very kind of angular in a sense it's kind of Bauhaus I don't know maybe I'm maybe have you I'm, been to Sweden I, I have yeah but maybe I'm misrepresenting but I don't know when I went to Sweden it did feel very everything felt very clean yeah you know yeah, very it is clean. Really, Well,
1: yeah, when well, we went there two summers ago summer before last I mean two summer before last maybe yeah, maybe it was two and a half years ago um it was uh, if, I mean, amazingly not, clean. In fact, it was so clean to me, it looked fake. It looked like a, it looked like a, like a movie set. I was, I was literally, I was almost expecting like the, the crew to start breaking down the set. It's like darks, like oh, you know, like all the front end and all the fronts of the stores <laughs> come down, and because like, they, they, everybody there was, was just, it was like kind of a movie. It's, it was weird.
0: But I mean, IKEA is from Sweden, right? Yeah, it's right. a Swedish company. And then there's another clothes company from Sweden. Oh, I can't remember it. But um, yeah, I I don't know. I just, I I do know a couple of Swedish designers Mm -hmm. and they have that vibe, you know, that kind of IKEA-ish kind of clean, very straight line, a lot of white space, like sans-serif text, you know yeah you know well i like that? that too
1: i whenever i did germany germany always had german stuff was always looked really clean and futuristic and slick yeah germany looks like the future to me when I was well the, the, what but did, did you ever go into the countryside in germany where they have well like then the, it's old then it looks yeah, really really old, old. And, and, funny, stuff, and yeah but you know it's funny like you, contra- you contrast that with like india so like have you india? been to india no, but I'm like, when you when like the kind of software that comes out of there and stuff, the aesthetic, the colors, the cultural content, everything is so different that a lot of times it just seems off to yeah. an American. Like, Americans yeah. are going to get, that looks like it's from India. Whereas, right. like, if someone designed it from Sweden or Norway or Germany or something, it would, assuming it was in English, it would look like it was almost designed by an American. Just company. out of curiosity, I mean, is this a racist discussion that we're having? Why?
0: I don't know. I'm just wondering. Because, because we're certain cult- because we're, siloing, we're siloing a culture. You're,
1: why are you so... You get so hung up on this No, stuff. I'm, I'm just curious. You, do, you get so, like, I'm hypersensitive. Cu- I am hypersensitive, and I'm, I'm curious because I, I can't actually tell. But you know what happens when you bring that up? Yeah. That's what makes people start thinking about it, and then everybody gets, you know, hypersensitive about it. Right. Right? Oh, my God, are we being sexist? Are we being racist? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like, geez, relax, you know? Who cares? You know, it's like, it's like, no, we're just saying that certain countries and certain cultures are different enough that the aesthetics, the culture, whatever, can uh, can be... uh, But it's funny to think that a
0: group of people have defining things. I mean, like, it amazes me that, like, you know, Irish have this defining quality of being, like, the fun, you know, the fun time. And they really kind of are like that. And Germans have this defining quality of, like, bratwurst and, 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 like, the kind of people that they are, like... And English have this defining quality of like stiff upper lip and saying, sorry, like what's, what amazes me, what amazes me is most interactions I have with strangers in America, I say, sorry. And it, 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 just for whatever reason, it just comes out. I'm just, oh, sorry, sorry. Like, and it it really reminds me of that National Lampoon's vacation, the the, the National Lampoon's European vacation. Yeah. And, and they just show English people as saying sorry all the time. And I was like, that's a load of rubbish. And like <laughs> for five years, like, like I've said it's so exactly. many, you know, sorry, sorry, sorry. So it, it amazes me that a whole like, you know, 60 million people, 4 million people, 20 million people, they're all of this certain type of person.
1: Well, see, I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that, it, that their cultural aesthetic, the you know, which can be summed up maybe the colors that they like the shapes whatever that that are all based on what's going on in their culture right now and where it's come from in the last 10 20 30 50 years or even hundreds of years it's 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 slightly different than where the american cultures at so that americans so if you had someone from india designing your site versus someone from sweden you could detect that and you'd be like that's different but I mean, right. of course,
0: they have subcultures, right? So in Sweden, yeah. there's subcultures. Like in America, yeah. there's subcultures, people who get tattoos versus people who have white picket fences. Right.
1: But you do understand what I'm saying. I'm not saying they're all of the same type. I'm just saying it's, it's different enough. Sweden Sweden's aesthetic is similar enough that – and that their cultural understanding and their cultural language or whatever is similar enough to the U.S. that there isn't a bridge, that it doesn't come over to the U.S. and people go, that's some weird Swedish game, mm-hmm. you know, or that's some weird Swedish – it's like they look at it and go, I don't get it.
0: I've got a good TV show for you to check out. And it's also, it also, sh- um, it highlights Holland mm-hmm. and England in a very, very good way because the BBC is really, really good at making a certain kind of crime drama. Mm-hmm. And so there's this one called Wallander starring, um, Oh God, I can't remember who it stars, but anyway, check it out. There's th- there's three seasons and each one has three episodes and it's just very kind of serious crime drama that done the, in the best way that that England does, dry and crumb. Okay. Anyway, Wallander, check it out. It's on Hulu.
1: Okay. Well, you have to send me the link. All right. You don't always send me all the links. I, I find this sometimes. <laughs> I go through and I to the show, and I like send me links. You always send me like three links, but there's usually like seven or eight things you brought up, and then I have to go search around the Google trying to find what it is you're referencing. So make sure you send me all the links this time. What was this one called, Wallander? Yeah, Wallander,
0: and uh. it is really good, but it's slow moving. But it, it it's slow moving in the way that all of those British um, crime dramas are. And so it, it would be good for you to just see the way that they make those crime dramas in England. They're very, very meticulous about it.
1: Hmm. So, um, you searching topics. I, um, you remember how I said last week, last week's show, I said, I, uh, Kenneth Branner. Kenneth Branagh. Oh, I, he's, yeah, he's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, what he's the director or what? No, he's, he's the main guy. Yeah, well, he does. He directs a lot now too. Oh, he may direct it. Um, you know who he, who he looks like a little bit. You know who looks like him a little bit is my buddy Phil. Amen. Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah, f- does. look People like would always compare Phil as like a young Kenneth Branagh. So Kenneth Phil does a lot of acting. Yeah, he does a lot of improv- improvisational improvisational comedy, and he's you know, he's done some directing and stuff too. Anyway, it's you see, that's like a an older Phil.
0: Yeah, I'm going to send you this link right now so that I don't get in, in trouble for not sending it.
1: So Phil, I'm trying to Phil. To I ca- totally move interrupted out here. you there. Go on. I'm trying to get Phil to move out here. Yeah, go on. He's 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 on the precipice. He just needs a couple more nudges. I think he's moving. I think he's moving out at the at, in January. Do You want me to next time I'm in Chicago? You want me to have a little chat with him? Well, I don't think I think he's I I, I think he might move out here probably before you go. Out. When are you going up again? Uh, on the fourth. I mean, like in, in four days, it's not like you guys hang out when you go up there,
0: right? No, no, not so much.
1: (laughs) I mean, you guys have, you guys, you guys got together once, right? Mm -hmm. For Breakfast or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, it would be good to get him out here. Anyway,
0: I interrupted you. You were, you were on a roll about something.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I was talking about how, um, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating that there isn't something as good as sort of the SQL server enterprise manager or whatever that was like a really good good GUI based oh yeah UI for working with MySQL for instance and I and I downloaded MySQL Workbench as you had suggested which I hadn't looked at in probably a, do- a half a dozen years yeah like I had, I had looked at it a long time ago and it was kind of crappy but it's actually really good now mm. so I have to take that back I was okay. it's actually high quality is that what you use
0: um I use that and there's another one called SQL Pro let me just look uh, SQL MySQL Query Browser MySQL SQL Pro
1: Right, so we we'll used use both? Why you I just, do. Why would not you just use one? I don't know. You just, like, in a different mood? I yeah. mean, is it one do something that... It's know, like, so,
0: like, because SQL Pro is... Uh, what happens is, sometimes I remember that it's called SQL Pro, and I type in... Because you know the way with Apple, you do command space, and then you type in S-E-Q, and it comes up, right? But other times, I just type in M-Y-S. So when I type in MySQL, the MySQL workbench comes up, and when I remember to type in SQL Pro...
1: SQL it's comes just up. not in your doc?
0: No, neither of them are in my dock. Why not? Why, why
1: don't, don't you just put things in your dock?
0: I, I, the only thing I have in my dock is my text text editor, Chrome. Oh, because you F2B. run
1: vertically, so you don't have any yeah.
0: space. I, I don't want so, too many things in the dock there. Yeah,
1: see, I have all this stuff in my. You know, well, why do you have it run? Or why do you have it vertically when you don't? And it limits your space. It
0: just makes more sense because I because I have an I have this massive amount of horizontal space. So if I have it on the left hand side. Oh
1: right, because you work on a laptop, you don't work on a big monitor.
0: No. Huh.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, I guess I'm, I guess that makes some kind of sense. So that
0: answers both of those questions. The reason why I use SQL Pro. The reason why sometimes I use MySQL. And uh, yeah, that is, uh, what's your problem with questioning? Why well, you got to question everything?
1: That's who I am? You know that's, that's who I am. very stra It's so uh, irritating. Why <laughs> 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 don't I have to question everything? Yeah. That's just the way I am. I just have to, I have to know. So I, I want to talk about um, the... There was uh see you know I, I hope my this doesn't go because I screwed up my notes. Let me see if this disappears, but um it's talking about um how it was like how I, the, the, the article was something like how the internet or how technology is making us poor, basically meaning that how um automating things you know initially uh, you know automation has got has made it so that you need much people much many fewer people working on farms in our culture and then many fewer people working in uh, manufacturing and now it's hollowing out the what they call routine information workers people who tend to do the same thing over and over and over again processing the same similar on types of information yeah. on computers or even you know even not on computers but even like it could be paperwork they're shuffling paperwork they're following a a, a, li- a finite set of rules relatively simple rules yeah and in a sense, most of the stuff can be automated, mm-hmm. or a lot of it can be automated. And it's sort of, you know, it, f- they were using example like from the industrial side, like how you know how like there was a big um, issue in Germany with a lot of the Amazon workers, the factory workers were like, uh, you know, they were upset about the working conditions and I don't know how many hours they worked or how many hours they had to work without taking a break or I don't know if it's air conditioning. They, they had different complaints, which. You know, we're probably valid, but what's interesting is that you know, obviously, from Amazon's standpoint, they'll be like, you know, in the future, it's easier for us to just automate our factories, mm-hmm. right? I mean, not out of out of uh, out of spite. Not that they're trying to hurt you, but it's like it's less expensive, mm-hmm. less headache, right? And at the end of the day, they want to. They have they have very small margins, right? and they to can't market. exactly
0: make that illegal. They can't make that. Yeah, the automation of factories is illegal. So <laughs> those people are going to lose their jobs. Yeah,
1: right. I mean, but it's just it's just interesting how now that is going into um, you know things like bookkeeping or you know there was an example like travel agents or bookkeepers or any kind of um, information processing job that isn't extremely complicated or creative. Are those but are. But
0: are they great? going nowhere? I mean, are those like so? Are we going to basically flatten society and just have no jobs. It, it-
1: no, what they're talking about, it's becoming more of an hourglass. So you have people at the very bottom and you have people at the top. So you have people who have, the people who are going to be big winners in the near future. I mean, who knows? In the far future, as we've talked about in the previous show, in the far future, all bets are off. Who knows what the hell is going to happen? in yeah. you know, 75 or 100, much less three or 500 years from now. But if we're talking the next 30 years, you know, I mean, it's too few people are going to be winners. It's people with capital. People with capital are always going to, have a, they're always they're going to be able to to they're the ones who own the uh, the properties that generate money in an automated fashion. They own they they own the gen, the uh, the internet properties. They own the physical manufacturing plants. They own shares in the companies, whatever. But the other thing is the people who are highly educated in that are they say that there's the people who who tell the machines what to do and there are the people who are told to, what to do by the machines. Mm-hmm. Like the guy, I think it was Amazon or Walmart, once was saying, you know. He's like, the robot... The computer tells me what I'm supposed to do, and it tells me when I need to be working faster or when I need doing stuff. The computer... He's like, I'm like a human robot. <laughs> isn't that weird? Mm-hmm, that is weird. I mean, it's kind of... Um, I mean, it's kind of... Uh, I don't know like it's scary, but it's sad. It's sad to think that humans can be sort of put in such a yeah, but limited... but isn't, isn't there going to be
0: another... Like, there's a burgeoning um, trend of makers, you know? Like industry is becoming small and like individualized around people. So is, is, isn't that going to stand for anything? What do you mean? Give me an example. Well, people making circuit boards, people making little products of their own, because you've got 3D printers and electronics and just you can, you're your own little factory because you've got like a miniaturized electronics building system and a miniaturized 3D printing system and all that kind of stuff. Like, so there's, like, so there's going to be a, a lot of opportunity for, for private industry.
1: Um, I think that stuff is going to be limited in the same way that the, I, I like how people make money off of uh, software or web pages right there are there are a very limited number of people who are independently wealthy because of their one person blog that they have that they have so much traffic on that they can make money off advertising or the one or two person, you know uh, youtube channel or the people who who sell who have like a bootstrap web startup i mean it may seem like a lot of people do that but as a percentage of the population it's minute
0: well i'm not saying they make a lot of money what i'm saying is that people who are knocked out of jobs on the low end and i'm not and i'm also not predicting this i'm just asking this as a question in the same way as people who open up bed and breakfast don't become, you know, massively wealthy, but they, they eke a living Is this is there some trend like that going to happen where people can become part of the digital ecosystem and eke a living
1: I don't think In so. In new ways,
0: you don't think that's going to I happen?
1: think it's very limited. I think, like, uh, the ability... Okay, so if you're selling something, you're making a living off of crea- a creative product of some kind, whether it's, uh, you know, a picture you painted or product you created or something you wrote i mean because <clears throat> the, the, i think it follows that that power curve that there's these things at the top that the va that they get the vast majority of the wealth it's people mostly watch movies major motion pictures you know but all the way down to people making their home little home independent films that like you know a few thousand people watch or whatever i mean I I just think the people at the end of the curve are just not able to make any kind of real money. They can do it for fun. They can make a little bit of money, extra money on the side, but in terms of replacing an actual middle-class paying job, no chance.
0: So you think bootstrappers like that bootstrapping will never, will never be, will only ever be a tiny, tiny percentage. Yeah,
1: I think so. I I just think that um, because you just can't compete in most cases, you can't compete with the level of, of, of quality, the fit and finish and support and everything that goes around higher end products that are released by larger companies. You know, there will be examples, there will be your standouts of like the, the one or two person team that, you know, that are able to create something on their own. And it's really high quality and they make a living off it. But, you know, in terms of absolute numbers, I mean, the absolute numbers are going to be real, still small, but in terms of percentage wise, of the population it's minute. So what do you, I mean, Plus, most people aren't creative. Or have the ability to not only to, to, to even if they are creative, are the ability to, to take that creative creativity, turn it to a business, and see it to a finish. Into I mean, you know how hard it is. I, I mean, mean especially
0: a- people who are like say working in a factory or something like that, like but basically blue collar kind of worker, pro- probably not thinking along entrepreneurial lines.
1: I don't even think most white collar workers. Right. The vast majority of people who have who have four year degrees are going to come out and. To support or be able to create, like, a meaningful, uh, you know, amount of money doing anything uh, creative. So I mean,
0: where are they going to make money? What's going to happen? Is everyone going to go on welfare?
1: I don't know. I mean, so, <laughs> so that's the big question. They talk about how it's become the hourglass. You know, you have people, the people at the top are, uh, you know, are uh, are going to do well. The people who, um, you know, who are sort of really good at technology, one type of technology, another that is in demand, you know, that these companies can can pay or sometime in, in certain small you know we think we feel like a lot of people are doing startups, you know all the mm-hmm. people call all these different startup incubators funded, but I mean it's I mean all those people could go up and 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 be in a an auditorium together, you know what I mean it's not that many people right I mean ten thousand you know people, yeah, you know right. if you talk about like if you took all of the early founders and, and like the first dozen employees of all of the companies that are funded and are still really successful right now i mean what what do you have? Five thousand people, ten thousand people. Yeah. Even if it was a hundred thousand people, it's nothing. Yeah, agreed. So, um, and uh, so anyway, what's the question is? What's the question gonna is what's going
0: to happen to the people? Are they all going to go on welfare?
1: Well, okay. So first step. One thing that's interesting is so those people are making products for society to cons- to, to to use to buy. To purchase whether they're making a movie for people to go see they're making a computer for people to buy or software. or which to people buy. The, 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 the most of these companies right right so the, the, you know apple that sells to a middle class right? yeah is as, as the as the middle class starts to evaporate yeah there are fewer people to buy those
0: products right yeah, but somehow they fi- they're going to find the money to buy things like ipods if they want them
1: <laughs> well it, it, it there, there becomes less and less discretionary income for that kind of stuff. So it's kind of interesting. Like, I remember what was the guy, uh, Henry Ford, when he created, the, you know, the model, I mean, he created Ford and he, I guess, he was the first one to let, I guess, their, their kids, uh, their employees would have Saturdays off or then Saturdays and Sundays. I can't remember if it was one day or Saturday and Sunday off. It was like the first company to do that. And he limited the hours and he paid his workers enough money that they could actually afford the cars they were making, which was very controversial at the time. All the other, uh, the the guy the, the guys who owned these other companies were not happy about that because it was setting a precedent that they didn't want to have to follow, right? They could pay their com their their employees less, they could make them work more hours, whatever. Mm. But Ford did better because the employees then turned around and bought the cars they made so they had more of a of a uh, of a consumer base. So it's kind of interesting, like, you know, we're kind of in a way, as you automate more and more of these jobs there may be fewer and fewer jobs available for people. So a a higher percentage of the population can no longer make a meaningful living. Therefore your consumer base shrinks. And ultimately you can only have so many company to company, you know, B2B businesses, right? Mm. Because at some point, some business has to be, someone has to be be, hitting the consumer, right? Because if, if those companies disappear, if the companies that are selling consumer disappear because there are no more consumers, then the businesses who were selling to those businesses no longer lose their consumer base, right? So it's going to be kind of interesting, kind of like a snake swallowing its tail. <laughs> you know, it's kind of yeah. interesting to see what happens there. I mean, it's 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 hard to see what's going to happen. Um, well, how long? I mean, did they give a timeline in the article? Well, they didn't even go quite that far. I mean, they were just saying that, they they were just laying out the fact that these jobs are being automated, and uh, there doesn't appear to be the same I level of jobs available because they're only it takes because of the leverage of technology. um It doesn't take as many people to create software that can automate out. Because if if it takes like a team of three or four people to automate some software that puts you know hundred thousand people out of work over a period of years, right there's not going to be those hundred thousand people are now are going to be designing software.
0: I mean, it is that kind of exponential, isn't it? I mean, um, would you, that's exponential. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, that's the whole Mark Andreessen thing of software is eating everyone's lunch. That's right.
1: It's eating the world. Software is eating the world is the statement. You you're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I've been doing this, uh, uh, small project for, um, a, this, I don't know how much I can talk about, so I just won't mention a name, but, um, Hey, is this, were you already doing this project the last time I spoke to you? Yeah, yeah. No, this is an existing project. I've okay. been on this for a few weeks. I was I mean, going to say, because you've a, already got enough No, 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 no. You shouldn't uh, really
0: be taking on projects, which, my uh,
1: friend. And I'll get to that in one second. But <laughs> um, the uh, the thing about it is they don't have a lot of guys or employees doing this job. I don't mean guys or girls. <laughs> so you mm-hmm. gender neutral. They don't have a lot of people doing this. They have one and a half people doing this job. But they're constrained because they need... Um, you know, ten or twenty people doing it, but I'm gonna build. But the software that I'm building is gonna make it so that so that this guy doesn't need anyone. They don't need to hire anybody, and he's gonna it's gonna it's gonna remove ninety percent of the government. He's gonna be ten times more efficient. He can move fire up the chain and think mm-hmm. at a higher level. And uh, I got I got emails from
0: people who use Blogio saying, "You just saved me a, a salary, you know, with this product." Yeah, because basically I can log in for ten minutes a day and do it. I don't need to hire someone to do this
1: yeah you know. yeah and 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 i it's just i mean and this i had that when i was hired as a consultant to build software for this trading company and i was there to eliminate the jobs of a dozen people like the software's was bill was ultimately eliminate the jobs i mean they 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 were they were optimistic think well maybe we can have these guys these traders and they're all guys <laughs> have these guys you know move up the scale and do different types of trading but this sort of order flow trading that they're doing we should we can just automate
0: but this, i mean there is a lot that happens in the real world. Like, for example, Georgie's dad sells fence. You know, what? fence, like just genu- fence? like okay. fence that you put around houses. Mm-hmm. He's been a fence salesman for 30 years. Mm-hmm. People have always needed fence, you know, I mean, fences, yeah. they, they put fences around their houses and, yeah. you know, I, the job, his jobs changed. Like he uses software to help him estimate it, but it, it hasn't really kind of collapsed the amount of people required to, to install the fence. And to sell the fence, right know? so there's, there's there's a lot of real world things that are out there that are not going to be affected or do you yeah. think do you think fences like like selling fence and fences is like only one tiny
1: yeah like- well the, the the jobs that are very hands on that that their person to person interaction stuff um those will be the last to be eliminated, but that will be limited by robots eventually you know I think I showed this factory that uh, I think it was an Amazon factory. They bought a company called um, Kiva Systems or Kiva or Kiva, something like that. I mean, it was a Kiva Systems. It was something like that. And they had these big, it was like these big um, shelves. You know how like these, um, it's almost like these, uh, a movable rack where you, put, you might put like servers on or something. And they were just moving around by themselves. So the equipment, and they would just move to the one person standing there and taking stuff off it. Did you watch Almost Human? I haven't yet. You I, should I, check it, it out. I'm going to watch it. Because that, because I, that, you know, that,
0: is leading to the, the next thing i'm going to say so you imagine like androids are going to go out there and like you know hammer in fences around people's well houses. i'm just saying
1: it, it androids
0: it, it, are going to build that build the the houses from the ground up well, there'll they're be, going to be
1: there'll the, be there'll be a series of advancements um and the the, the first row that you know we're we're still in the early stages of robots Mo- robots right now are basically idiots they're stupid and they're and they're and they're not they don't have the um the um motor control and the agility to, to be very useful in society but they may not be the case in fifty years from now you know I mean you know just like I mean self-driving cars I mean that's a kind of robot in a way right uh, but drone delivery like like you like it, it might eliminate things in a weird way like we would think well you're never get used of the you're never going to get rid of the UPS guy or the FedEx guy well what if what if this Amazon drone delivery system that we were talking about a couple weeks ago actually starts to get on and work and and over a period of like 10 to 15 years you know 80 to 90 percent of your deliveries is delivered by drone and yeah so right there are special cases where you have your FedEx guy comes in and delivers stuff so
0: of this apartment block the maintenance worker is going to be an android for example you know maybe in 15 20 years time
1: no I would say that's further off that's further off but I think it'll be a series of encroachment right like you, you, you always get the low hanging fruit. What's the like the the next generation of robots in the next ten or fifteen years are going to be a lot better than we are now, but they're still going to be relatively stupid and and, and clumsy and, and and whatever. But they'll be able. But then we'll figure out. Oh, well, here is a class of jobs that we can eliminate because these robots can do the job of five workers or ten workers, or at least it can do the job of two workers. It works twenty four hours a day. They rarely break. They. They, I, it costs me, maybe it cost $50,000 for the, uh, the, the, the robot, but amortized over a period of five or 10 years, it saves me a quarter million dollars in salary. Done, right? Or, or rather, we have these 10 workers in whatever job you're talking about. It eliminates 80% of the work. So I keep, I keep on two of the workers and they do the things that the robots don't do so well. But, the, but all the other grunt work that is kind of dumb, you know, if you're talking about construction, it's the ditch digging or pouring, or maybe it's the laying the foundation or pouring the cement, or there's certain things that the robots can do, but maybe it's the it's the, it's the the stuff that's a little trickier that takes the more craftsmanship that you keep your carpenters on. But then every generation encroaches further and further. And so humans are needed less and less of the time. I mean, don't you think, I mean, that seems like that's the obvious advancement, right? Yeah. And it, that's the obvious advancement
0: to the point of, Replicator technology, <laughs> and then basically once everyone has a replicator and all you need to do is feed dirt into it, then it's the collapse of money. You don't need money anymore. Your replicator can build whatever you need.
1: Well, so I don't think it's dirt. I we think, become I, an I, artisan I, I, society. Well, I don't think most people become artisans because I don't think most people have, unless we genetically have no, you have to retrain.
0: You have to, like, people, people would have to retrain. I mean, they would just, look, there isn't anything else to do other than just learn and make Make no, I think, I think
1: people will just do nothing. I think people will just entertain themselves.
0: Oh, they'll just watch TV or something?
1: Well, what do most people do when they retire? retirement? Do they become artisans when they retire? No. A they lot watch, of people do. They, 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 mostly they get watch painting kits. They mostly watch TV. Some of them play golf. Some of them travel a little bit. Exactly. Some of them do crossword puzzles. But mostly they watch TV and just kind of play with their grandkids or put around the neighborhood or garden a little bit. I mean, well, don't,
0: don't forget, you know, with the new drug that, that's going to turn you from like 80 to a 20-year-old body <laughs> as well. Yeah, you know.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I I don't think um, I think only a limited number of people really have that creative um, engine in them where they hmm. have to create. I mean, otherwise you'd see a lot more people creating. I think people people who are much more willing to just be passive and and just be passively entertained. You know, hmm. most people they don't go, oh, it's my dream to paint or it's my dream to sculpt or it's my dream to. There are people who do that, but okay, you
0: know, but but let's say.
1: The drugs are there to keep you
0: alive for a thousand years, right? There's no money. And, you know, you can get whatever you want out of these uh, machines that just make stuff. You put dirt or some basic ingredient into them and it'll just print you whatever you want. It'll it'll print out a perfect tomato, which you can just eat there. And wh- uh, you're living a thousand years. Like, what else are you going to do? At some point, you're going to go, all right, you know what? I've consumed enough. I'm going to do something now. Like, after, at least after a hundred years, you're going to be like, I must. I must be able to do something.
1: Well, I could do what. What uh, you know. What. Um, what. Uh, what the Stephen Hawking's biggest concern is that we're just going to re- go inward. So we're just going to be going our own little virtual worlds. So you think people are on Facebook or Twitter all the time? People are in or Second Life. People are in these. You know, our virtual environments are so realistic and so all-encompassing that people can spend most of their time. You know. In their own virtual world. Because in those worlds
0: it, you can defy the laws of physics, which is much more fun than in our real
1: world. Define social laws, you know, and you know, interpersonal law, you know, laws that, p- that constrain people in any way. Whatsoever. You are in your own virtual world. And just like we talked about you know, a couple weeks ago, it's like the you know, what's virtual and what's real, as far as your brain is concerned, the only thing that's real is what your brain what's what registered inside your brain through your senses. So if if at some point the senses are, are fooled so much, it's just as real as anything else, right? Mm. I don't know, man. It's going be a brave <laughs> new world. It's going to be weird. Yeah. but um, that's going to be part, of, that's the,
0: it's going to start in 2014. Yeah. You know, like that new world is going to start in this next year, because right now we're coming to you from 2013. We had our, um, our, our final and triumphant argument of 2013 <laughs> just a few minutes ago. And now we are ready to uh, I, I think
1: I'm, I think we're ready to wrap this up you yeah, are i got I got one or two more things I thought you I thought you had to, to gotta, get, get out of here, I got about five more minutes five ten minutes all right fair enough yeah so I got this um all of a sudden had this weird uh I guess it's called sciatica it's like this nerve thing on my oh, leg yeah. it's been it's been uh, bothering me like when I sit too long uh, it's weird I can go play basketball I can go snowboarding I'm fine but if I sit too long. In is the that what got posture. you the
0: other day when you came to Catalyst? Right.
1: Yeah. And I was just like in intense pain. Yeah. I think it's sciatica. So that's when I go to the doctor in um, a few minutes. You're going to have to get a walking desk. I don't think I'm going to walk. I think probably what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to get a, a, a list of stretches. Okay. Say, do these yeah. stretches. Um, when you're sitting, don't sit for more than... and If I had to anticipate what he's, what he's going to tell me, mm-hmm. he's going to say, here's some stretches that I want you to do. I sit, if it starts getting bad, heat... Uh, don't sit for more than thirty minutes. Where you get up and, and maybe stretch, walk around. That's probably what it is. But I just don't know what stretches I need to be doing exactly.
0: So you're seeing a doctor or a, a like a, a kind of spinal? Body I'm gonna go to I'm
1: gonna go to a chiropractor first because um, this guy has helped me before and it's okay. worked really well. And um, if it doesn't, then if 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 he doesn't have some good exercises and uh, suggestions, then I'll go and see a. I don't know. I don't see. I don't know what doctor you see for, for something like that. Or, no, I think you're right. Like, I mean, okay. orthopedic, I mean, what, what I mean, I, 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 your general internist, your general physician is not going to be no, that but
0: helpful. what about those, uh, like sport, um, the, the people who fix you after a sports injury? Physical therapist, yeah, that, that's the kind of person you should see.
1: Well, yeah, so th- this, this guy is, is sort of a hybrid, okay, you know, so he does a lot of physical therapy, so you know, so, some chiropractors you go to and they just do like spinal adjustment whatever but the guy i go to does the physical therapy stuff as well soft tissue stuff so he'll be like "All right, here's the exercise you need to be doing so it's pretty much the same thing except okay. they know a lot more than the physical therapist physical therapist is usually more limited anyway so let's see what do i oh you know what they want to talk about i made some notes on it but i think i lost my um let me see if i can find it here let me see if i can find it i
0: think people are liking the weekly the weekly shows are they? oh did you see that post that someone posted that was so cool about Aubrey de gray no, uh, so Richard posted a post about Aubrey de Grey. Richard posts. I used to work along the corridor from Aubrey de Grey at Cambridge University when he was in, when he was employed as a software developer, as was I. At the time, he was doing his gerontology. Is it geront- Ger- gerontology. gerontology research on the side. I think other researchers resented that he was an engineer and not qual- not a qualified scientist. But as you were discussing, this meant he took a very different approach. He came in for criticism. For good reason, when he started appearing in the news on TV, being introduced as from Cambridge University, when his link at the university was actually had nothing to do with his scientific research. As a friend said, if he wants to live to a thousand, he shouldn't ride his bike so fast around town. In other words, the scientists are probably going to get him.
1: The scientists are going. The get
0: scientists him. are going to get him because he's because they're they're pissed off
1: with him. The right. Other, other ge-
0: geranto- ger- gerontologists Gerontologists are pissed off with him, right? They're one of them is probably going to.
1: Take him out. No, I think they're worried about he's going to get hit by a car. Uh, right, you're riding a bike around the city. Then you're, you know, the, the chances are you're going to get hit by a car eventually. A lot of people get hit by cars. I don't think being attacked by an angry scientist is really a, a, bit, oh, oh, a, a risk. All right. Well, th- that's what I got from that quote. But <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: what I got from that quote. Yeah.
1: There's a, there's a scientist waiting behind a bush. He's going to take you out with a No, no because he's,
0: he's pissed them off, right? Yeah. Because he's not,
1: you know. I don't anyway. think scientists, geratologists are really known for their physical violence. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I, I have to blow through a couple things here real quick. I only got a couple minutes, but I just found that my notes that I thought I had I'd actually deleted. So, um, do you hear that the French High Court okays a seventy five percent tax for people who make over a million euros a year? That's that amazing. That is really stupid. Yeah, because I think I think a lot of them are just going to take off, especially with a lot of the uh, the soccer it, it, players. Yeah. A lot of the soccer players know, like, are just why
0: would you stay in the country? Just, I mean, it's, like it's going Absolutely ridiculous.
1: So if it, because I guess a lot of the the soccer clubs have are kind of precarious financial positions because they constantly have to keep spending as much money as they do on the players to be competitive against the other teams. So it's kind of an arms race. So now if all of a sudden all of the foreign players who come in, because all these leagues bring in players from all over the world to be competitive, are like, well, I can go play in England. I can go play in Spain or Italy and the other top leagues or France. Um, I'm going to go to Spain because I'm going to take... I'm going to pay, you know, whatever, 30% could, uh, higher taxes. Well, I could get a job that
0: pays me half as much, and I still make more money.
1: Yeah, or maybe not quite that much. because So, I mean, even if one of these other countries is probably going to pay 40 or 50% at the very top tax bracket. But anyway, the whole point is that there is, uh, I guess, they're uh, – they're, I mean, they, I guess Holland is trying to uh, – they have – you know they're, they get their debt, they're raising taxes and they're making cuts and they're trying you to You said you said Holland or France? Holland Holland is the uh oh you said France president. you led the story with they're France the prime minister France but Holland is the name of the uh oh. the, the 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 French oh that's you know, confusing. prime minister or whatever right so um the other thing i thought was really interesting so there's this uh um st- startup that is using plant seeds to create uh biofuel and they, it's, called, it's what it says, the, the J- Jatropha um, is the name of the plant. It says that they, it produces high-quality oil that can be refined into low-carbon jet fuel or diesel fuel. This is the seeds, hmm. the seeds of this inedible drought-resistant plant. And it's interesting, it says that they're, um, they're growing uh, these hybrid strains that in quantities that are competitive with uh, petroleum priced at $99 a barrel. Uh, are they on? Can I get shares? Mm, it's it's not public. Private company. It's interesting. So they're um, and I was looking up and I was like, well, and it's and I guess uh, I read they said that they are um, going to be planting two hundred and fifty thousand acres in Brazil. Uh, I guess and and in some of it's in, in Brazil, some of it's in India, and some of it I think might have been in China, but at least India and Brazil, and they are going to be able to produce about 70 million gallons a year off those 250,000 acres. And so I was, I did a little research and I was like, well, how, you know, how many, uh, I mean, how, how many, how much jet fuel is used per year? And it looks like 18, according to the airline organization or whatever, that the, um, us passenger and cargo airlines require more than 18 billion gallons of jet fuel annually. So based on my back of the napkin calculation, that would be about 64 million acres. Of this plant at the current production level could could supply all of uh, the jet fuel in the world worldwide in current rates.
0: Sixty-four million acres. Uh, Sixty-four million acres. So that's is that possible? I mean, that seems.
1: I don't know, but they they said that they're doing they're having a pretty good job making these things cold, making these plants drought and um, and heat so and cold resistant. D- d- so maybe d- you can go and yeah, grow it. Might be able to grow it in areas that um, nothing else is nothing else is really growing or growing well. Um, but it's wow. one other of the is they said it said um it costs uh, currently costs the name of the company is SGB um and uh it costs $350 to genetically map a single uh jatropha line um to look for viable mutations a price that will drop to $50 in 2014 so just in one year drop from 350 to $50 so you know we've talked about the synthetic biology yeah um sort of Disruptive trend that's coming. That's going to be a huge deal, probably over the next you know ten to twenty years. And they said the price five years ago was one hundred fifty thousand dollars. That's just five years ago. That's just two thousand eight nine. Like you not to mention they were talking about this in like two thousand three. I mean, it's, it's stuff that would cost like a million dollars to map a genome back in the you know two thousand three. I mean, like say we're talking about the start. You know, ten years ago is now like going to be like fifty bucks.
0: It still seems like the the long way around that seed concept. I mean. I could imagine that they may be better served focusing on bacteria that just like ha- have a byproduct of, you know, you feed them one thing and then they just have a byproduct of oil kind of thing.
1: Yeah, no, well, no, that's true. Now, that's that's another way to go about it. I mean, there's this um, algae that they're, you know, I know that um, uh, uh, Craig Venter, his um, his uh, company and other companies are working on, you know, on algae that w- that can be refined into crude oil that are that excretes you know crude oil yeah um, that, that so that sense. stuff is that stuff is definitely happening but you know which is interesting because you know we hit according to um uh, this is something i used to pay a lot Oh, we've I, hit peak oil peak oil like now they're going back and and they're saying yeah i guess there's a the researcher came out and he said you know we actually hit it in 2008 we hit peak oil in 2008 Oh, interesting. Um, but because of the recession and and that increased prices you know destroys demand a little bit and so you don't be able to notice a little but we have hit uh, peak oil. I mean, we ha- we aren't producing any more oil than we were in 2008, um, and that was that was on Hacker News. It right? on the front page of Hacker News yeah. about a week ago or so. Um, so what's interesting is that will we solve that problem in part by creating plants and bacteria or algae? I bet that, we will. That does it in addition to things like you know electric cars and stuff that ultimately get their electricity from things like. Um, nuclear or solar whatever it's going to be interesting how that whole thing plays out i mean i think it's going to be it's not going to be a yes or no it's going to be a mix of all these things <laughs> but it's funny to think you know even
0: even like going for i said well the seeds rather than seeds let's work with bacteria and make crude oil but to be honest you might as well just get bacteria that makes electricity or something like that just let's just skip everything out and just go straight to electric mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. or just take take power from the sun or whatever yeah, I mean, they do seem kind of just
1: like, well, you will need jet, like, you, you know, right now, until battery technology increases substantially, you're, you know, the, the jets are going to need jet fuel, yeah, have, yeah. electric jets, although Elon Musk, had, he gave, he gave some numbers, he's like, you know, at the current rate that battery powers are increasing in terms of their power output and storage, like, I can already said, like, in 10 years or something, we could have like electric jets. And people are like, "Are you going to start an electric jet company?" He's like, "No, no, I am busy." But he's like, hey, "It will be possible, right?" You know, so he probably will. Yeah, you know, in twenty to thirty years, you know, maybe have electric powered jets. You know, but in the interim, you are going to need jet fuel. And if if oil becomes in, increasingly expensive, then one way to to make it less or, or to 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 feed that demand is is by using uh, these, these things like you know these seeds that can be refined directly into Jet fuel. Just I mean, of course, moving.
0: there could there, there could be a, a, another technology for getting off the ground. You know, not even jets.
1: Of course, if we if we automate the 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 middle class out of work, there are going to be less people who fewer people who can afford to fly jets. So there'll be less demand for jets. Mm. <laughs> there won't be as much jet fuel being used. So you know, it's
0: true. And, but if you if you've got something like the Hyperloop going from one country to the other, you
1: wouldn't even use jets. Assuming that you can, uh, assuming that you can afford to build something like that, well, one country to another. I've been talking. I've been talking about doing, building, for, going over the sea. Have they? Mm-hmm. Or are they talking about going water? I
0: think they were, I think there was. There's definitely a discussion about it, even if they can't do. It.
1: Yeah, I gotta get going. I think I'm, I'm getting buzzed on my phone. I think Sandy's telling me don't forget Uh-oh, you got a doctor's appointment. actually she's probably just trying to remind me. Let's see. I'll bet you. Yep. <laughs> don't forget appointment at five. So. Um, <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, that's. Uh, I think, that's, I think I got most of the, the stuff I wanted to talk about. Um, all right, so that's it for the two two 250 shows. That's it for 2013. Quarter of a millennia,
0: the end of 2013. We shall see you in 2014. Thank you so much for being a texting listener all this time. You rock.
1: Well, I think you said it uh, as well as I could, so we'll leave it at that. That's a wrap. We're out.